0: Wire Hustle proudly presents All Eyes on Cleveland. We are back. My name is Brad Ward. I am your host. We have special guest, very, very special guest, friend of show, friend of mine, the great Jake Burns of the OBR and the OBR film breakdown here with us tonight. And we are talking the evolution of the Browns offense as we move towards 2021. If I didn't mention, my name is Brad Ward. Mikey's on the ones and twos. Glad you could be with us tonight. We're going to get into this. Uh, and talk about what to expect from this offense as we move forward. Uh, How are we doing tonight, Jake? I'm great, Brad. I'm great, man. Thanks for having me. As always, uh, a a wonderful pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, And uh, you've been absolutely killing it over at the OBR. I know you've been working like a dog every, uh, every night, basically, Uh, on there with guests Uh, great guests great content so make sure to go check that out Uh, and if you're watching the show right now you know do us a favor hit the like button and hit subscribe as we are closing in on 1,000 subscribers here at All Eyes on Cleveland which is quite a feat in just uh, under six months at this point so we're hoping to get there uh, as we're about 18 away Jake 18 away from the 1,000 so Uh, and see what doors that that opens up for us from here (laughs) Uh, i don't know if any but we'll see uh uh, let's uh dive into the topic tonight which i think is a great one and one that is perfect for you sir as you probably have a grasp of the browns offense better than anybody that i could think of uh so let's uh let's bring up some some stuff here and talk uh 2021 evolution of the Browns offense. So, what made me think of this and in this topic was a quote from the great Kevin Stefanski uh, at the end of the regular season, right uh, right after uh, the season ended. I believe is when this quote. Uh, he was on a video call with local reporters, as you can see, uh, and uh, the quote reads: "We have to, as coaches, really pull this thing apart." And find ways to improve schematically, he said Tuesday in a video call with local reporters. We have to evolve. And I think that has been a big part of our process to date. I think also as coaches, we have to get better. I have to be a better coach next year for this team, and that is my goal. Uh, so when I read this, immediately I think of okay, you know, this guy was fantastic with the offense. Uh, You know, installing through Zoom. He gets a full year now. Uh, They'll be on the grass at some point here. I mean, they're not yet, but they will. Uh, And he'll have a lot more time to implement what he wants this offseason. What what do you take away from this quote when you first read it, Jay?
1: Well, it's what you want to hear. Uh, You don't want any sort of stagnation, first of all. I see a couple people in the comments commenting on my background. My wife was nice enough to re- <laughs> repaint this thing and throw up some stuff for me and buy me a shelving unit and all that. And uh, I got an, I had a good, a good dude hook me up with a nice little portrait behind me who I did not expect it to be so cool. But here I am anyway, back to your, your great question, which is uh, what, what did, what do I think of that comment? I think that's what you want to hear. Um, you you want to hear your coaches always wanting to evolve. There is no stagnation in the NFL. There is a baseline for what you do, who you are, uh, from an identity perspective, you know, we're a, we're a wide zone running team and we branch everything off of that. Uh, you want to have a bread and butter. I think you always should be trying to make sure that you have a base, base part of your offense. I think that's important because that's what your guys are good at. And when times get tough, it's something you can go to. But you want your coach to have a willingness to evolve, peel back, not just uh, schematic stuff that you can change, tweak, alter, enhance, but also your tendencies. Because more than anything, Brad, in the NFL, a lot of schemes matriculate around the NFL. A lot of teams run a form of the wide zone offense, whether it's through the Kubiak tree or whether it's through, uh, you know, the Shanahan tree updating all the way back to, you know, Papa Shanahan and all that. It's it's not a secret. Like, this, the system has been around for a long time. It's sort of what you do to combat teams that have answers to take it away. And I think that's the chess match that Kevin is always trying to make sure that he is able to uh, manipulate and stay one step out in front of. So, you know, when he talks about changing, peeling back whatever he wants to – the phrase he wants to use – He's he's not saying I want to change who we are identity-wise. He's just saying that we need to peel back our tendencies, figure out ways in which teams have figured us out, right, and figure out ways that we can alter some of our base stuff to make it more advantageous, more balanced, uh, those sorts of things. Every coaching staff does this too. I love Kevin, but he's not doing anything groundbreaking. Every single staff – charts every piece of data from their season they look at all of their tendencies how did we did we get the right guys in the right positions at the right times if they didn't then they want to figure out how that fell apart in season and how they can change that the next year so you know this isn't this isn't uh, inventing the forward pass level of genius at the time, but it's it's just what you want to hear. you know. Some guys are stubborn, Brad, and I don't yeah. think that's Kevin's MO. He wants to evolve all the time, and yeah, he's a, his baseline is a wide zone structure, and he likes to bootleg off of it. He loves that stuff, but he doesn't want that to be the only thing the Browns can rely on, and I think we saw that as the year went on.
0: Yeah, no question. Let me ask you this. It, when looking back at, at 2020, and this is the last time we'll do this on the show, is look back at it, how much do you think he was limited? Like, how limited were they based off of working off of Zoom? Um, you know, obviously throughout the season, the offense evolved, and we saw that mm-hmm. uh, a lot. But from, from a, an overall step back, maybe like, you know, a couple thousand foot look away, like how, how limited do you think they were last off season as a new coach coming in? And then from what you saw from them offensively, was it really basic at the beginning?
1: I think it was. I definitely think it was. I think they tried to really keep things as simple as they can. You, you, you got to think from, from their perspective, you know, they're not going to try to put in in the first few weeks for like the fumble ruski and stuff like that. They're, they're not going to go crazy. <laughs> right? Like they're going to be pretty bread and butter with what they do in the first few sessions because they didn't get OTAs, mini camp all that time that they would love to get. They, they, those are times in which you would put in your base stuff. They didn't get that stuff. So they get training camp and then you're hitting the ground running in week one. So I don't think we saw the version of what they could be or what they were comfortable adjusting to become until after the bye week. I think you listen to anything said in season, Uh, At at around the bye week, that's where Baker talked about finding a level of comfort with Kevin based on what he was comfortable with within the offense, so on and so forth. And I think that that, at that point, I don't believe calling them limited was fair anymore. I think that there was, uh, there was more uh, diversity and, and, and we'll talk about this more in depth, but there was certainly more diversity in how they approached what they wanted to do offensively after the bye coming up to the bye. I think they were very week to week, kind of implementing things they want to, to wanted to to be become whatever that you would traditionally hope to go in week one with. Right now, yeah. that's what the beauty is of coming back this year and those guys spending time. I talked with uh, my OBR colleague Stephen Thomas about this, which he he had texted me about some frustration about OTAs, which is extremely warranted. That people shouldn't be worried about it because. If Baker's holding this passing camp, I, th- there's no doubt they're working. Instead of doing things they did last year, kind of working on different things that uh, they didn't necessarily know about. Now they know. Like, hey man, I'm going to run, you know, eight twenty nine, uh, eight twenty nine Y boot, and I'm going to have you run that Y drag. Like that. That's the stuff that they would communicate this year. They know what to expect, and the guys they're bringing back offensively are now ingrained into who they are. And you can do more conduct. Uh, I-, I should productive types of things away from OTAs. They'll get together for OTAs eventually, but you know I wouldn't lose any sleep over the fact that they're not there together. I, I think that the, the base of who they want to be is in place now, and really the verbiage is all tied together. Everything is where you want it to be, so then you're just kind of now hitting the ground running, and these are the changes that we want to make to become better this year kind of thing.
0: So when you talk about those changes that we want to make to become better this is kind of a, a – a, uh, it's, a, it's a strange, odd question. But do you want him to go – do you think that they'll go, like, wider or deeper? Like, will they go wider with more different stuff they do, or will they just double down on the stuff they already do but with more wrinkles and whatnot? I
1: think we saw that they want to go wider. I think – I think what you're saying is that they want to do what they do and get better at it and go deeper into what they yeah. do and, and branch everything from there. But there were elements to this offense that did that, that did not unlock portions of the field. I kind of made the point last year, I stand by it, that they were operating in the in what seemed like the red zone from all over the football field. They were just yeah. very condensed, and teams didn't fear them vertically nor truly fear them horizontally either. With quick speed, initial speed that can stretch a defense laterally, uh, in a hurry. So I think you will see a wider base of concepts this year. Uh, I think you will see them try to push the ball downfield through a mixture of ways, not just play action, but some, some basic concepts that, you know, concepts like mills concept and, and Yankee concept, there's concepts out there that you can push the football downfield. I think we'll see some of that stuff. Uh, I, I also think that we will see uh, more use of jet sweep, more use of uh, uh, fly sweep stuff to get the football and, and, especially Anthony Schwartz's hands quickly a couple times a game. So I think that there will be a wider scope of what they try to do. But I think at the same time, since there was such success with, with picking up the scheme and stuff from a virtual standpoint, that there's no reason they can't also go deeper into what they already do pretty well. So I, I think that you can get a, a I'm kind of punting on the question in a sense here, but you can get a little mixture of both.
0: Yeah, one of the things that impressed me the most, uh, you know, and it really started with the Tennessee game for me, is like every week, you know, going into the Tennessee game, it was always about the Browns' run game, right? Their run game, their run game, their run game. And Stefanski would come out just throwing the ball all over the field. It's very, you know, and like you said, everybody does the self-scouting right and the identifying your tendencies I just felt like in the from that game on or even in the second half of the season on he did such a good job of identifying the tendencies that they were you know letting out or showing and using that to their advantage breaking tendency and, and really as a play caller. is that more of a week-to-week thing for them or is that something that they can go into this offseason and build on?
1: Um, I think they can do it in the offseason. I think they can try to look at schemes that are formations that were heavy run tendencies and how can they break those? Uh, if they're from eleven personnel. And I thought they got really well. They started to do well with this by the end of the season, and that's getting in pass-based formations and finding ways to successfully run the football. That's that's the biggest thing. Cause you know what Stefanski talked about at the beginning of the season was the the the, the need to play heavier personnel packages because it te- keeps teams in base personnel. And when you're in base personnel, typically you you lose a lot of those exotic blitz packages that are so popular in the NFL, unique ways to create pressure. So they have to get better throwing from run se- situations. Uh, I shouldn't say situations from run uh, personnel groupings, and they have to continue to grow as a as a, as a team that can run the football out of 11 personnel. So I was really encouraged by how well they ran the football out of 11 personnel late, especially the Pittsburgh wildcard game. Uh, they, they said it's a pitch, you know, we need to stop trying to run the football laterally on Pittsburgh. The way they play their odd front is so difficult to run on. Yes. Let's just use our guards effectively uh, and, and pull and run power counter and some G lead schemes and pin pull and different things where we can put Wyatt Teller and Joel Batonio in space. And then uh, allow those guys to flourish because you have two top 10 Know, two top nine according to Pro Football Focus, offensive guards in the NFL. You know, you got a hell yeah. of a center who can move and adjust line calls. And then you know, you really like both of your tackles. So the Browns should not be a team that pigeonholes themselves into one running structure. And I think I think that's what Stefanski had to break above anything else, Brad, was his his tendency to uh, from his Minnesota days to sort of loop in the only they they didn't feel really comfortable with with gap schemes in in Minnesota they just didn't like their their offensive line for them it was a complete adjustment for for what he wanted to do in Cleveland because he has a dynamic you know group of guards you know he, when, when you can pull Wyatt Teller and he's so athletic in space and we all know how good Joel Batonio is it's like I think like week seven eight nine it started to click for him oh we we need to feature these guys as frequently as we can because we can put, we can run from, you can run gap schemes from any formation. And a big thing for me all season was that they didn't run from the gun. It was a really annoying thing to me. Like run from yeah. the gun because if you're in the gun, teams think you're throwing and your tendency is terrible. And I thought by the end of the year, they started to say, okay, we should run from these personnel groupings that are screaming pass. So uh, they got there and that's what you wanted them to do. And they, and they did that by year's
0: end. So I have this visual up here, of just kind of a breakdown of what they did in 2020, right? So 11 personnel, 44% of the time, 60% pass, 40% run. 12 personnel, you know, uh, 26% of the time, 62% pass, 38% run. Uh, 21 personnel, which is obviously, uh, you know, just 7% of the time, uh, more run than pass by a little bit. But pretty equal. And then you get into your, you know, some of your heavier sets with 22 personnel, 82% run, and then only 8% of the time, but 13 personnel, 14% of the time. Um, and that would, you know, I believe that's with the three tight ends on the field, right? And they run at 64% of the time. So as you take a look at this, what do you think, if we're looking at it in 2021, that we will see differently from them this year? Well, they
1: use tight ends and fullbacks like they 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 uh, they have the flux capacitor and go back in time in the NFL, right? That's that's the (laughs) unique thing, and they and they might get away from it. They might get away from it more this year. I think we might see them run an even higher volume of eleven personnel. I think that that is a thing that we could see, but they they might try to stick with more uh, uh, more usage of of twelve and thirteen, still kind of maybe keep them at the same, but the twenty two personnel stuff could increase. Uh, and especially twenty one, uh, I think the seven and eight percent number there could could push vertically a little bit. Uh, and maybe you see some twelve and thirteen go down just a little bit and eleven closer to fifty percent or more. yeah, uh, just because I think they really found something with Baker Mayfield there. so that that could be something we see. but i I thought by year's end they didn't use Andy Janovich very much at all. and and I was right. kind of surprised by that. So uh, i I would not be surprised to see. It could go one of two ways, Brad. If they keep him on the roster, if they keep him on the roster, they have to use him. There's no justification for not using him. So, if they end up keeping him through camp, I think that you'll see a higher usage of 21 and, and 22. But if the, I wouldn't be surprised as a, uh, if they ended up actually letting him go just because they did not find very much success. Uh, from those personnel groupings. And and I think that that's a reason they dipped away from it by the end of the year. So um, d- that number sheet you have in front of you will be so interesting. And this is what I love too. The Browns have have gone through so many OCs and head coaches throughout the years that we don't have year-to-year analysis. So at the right. end of 2021, it'll be so fun to look back and go, man, they used a lot more 12 personnel than they did the year before. And they did not really use 13 personnel uh, and that's interesting. Why did that happen? We actually have some data to track why it happened, which I think is is going to be a lot of fun.
0: I think the way they pass the ball at the end of the year, uh, Jake lends itself to uh, saying that 11 personnel number would go up, um, especially with OBJ coming back. If we get a healthy OBJ, I think that would drive that number up a little bit maybe, um, mm-hmm. as well as – uh, like you said, the implementation, they're so multiple in their run game, and you said, kept ta- you said that you wanted to see them run out of the shotgun more. Well, they started to do that a little bit, as you mentioned, but you would do that in 11 personnel a lot of time, right? Or you could.
1: Well, yeah, you want, you don't want to run from the gun in, in situations that aren't productive to run from the gun. I mean, uh, right. it, like if you have multiple tight ends on the field, you probably want to put them in line a little bit more, put them in the wing, and it's like, I'd rather get my running back started downhill, and usually, you if you're going twelve personnel, you're not going twelve personnel on a third and eight. You know what I'm saying? When they would right. get it done a little bit, so there's there's some of that um, some of that stuff going on there. But I, it's it's going to be fascinating for sure because they started to throw a lot of um, a lot more on Baker's plate by the end of the year, and I think it's I yes. think it, by design they wanted to see what they had with him and, and they, they knew they couldn't wait any longer they had to put it on his shoulders if they ended up losing they ended up losing but they they needed to see if he could handle it and uh, he was able to handle it so there could be a, a higher volume of throwing this year in general and there could be a higher volume of 11 personnel because of that because because they can they can uh, interchange, you know, you, you, you can interchange Schwartz and Landry and, and potentially Odell if he's healthy. And then you want to get Richard Higgins on the field too. So uh, they, they have an interesting uh, dilemma, I guess is the right word for it, with getting their wide receiver group on the field, but also really liking their tight ends and David and Harrison and Austin and trying to find roles for those guys too.
0: Not a not a huge deal, but let me ask you this: You mentioned you thought that maybe the twenty one personnel and the twenty two personnel might go up a little bit in there. Is that because potentially you think that they find a way to use Chubb and Hunt together in twenty twenty one because they've been very reluctant to do that in twenty twenty?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's a, yeah. it's we saw some of it with Freddy Kitchens, and it was kind of exciting, but you know, if you're going to keep two of those guys on the field, one of them has to block and neither of those guys are in the NFL because they right. block. So it's like, it's I just point. don't, I think they, I think they were under 10 snaps together last year. I don't, I don't yeah. see them playing together uh, it, it much at all. They could do some little week by week wrinkles that, that can involve some play action and put Kareem against a linebacker somewhere and motion him out of the backfield. They could do that, you know, because if you play 21, you're definitely going to keep teams in base personnel and you're probably going to unfold coverage if you take a running back and put him in the outside, if a corner goes with him, you're going to get you're going to get zone. If a linebacker goes with him, you're 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 going to get man to man. So some of that is advantageous, and they do motion running backs out often. Uh, so if they do it in any capacity, it's not going to be like split back with Kareem and, and Nick behind the, the Baker Mayfield under center, or even I would be surprised if it was split back. Uh, you know, split back from the gun. I, I just think that they would motion one of those guys out. You won't see both of them in the backfield, and you won't see one of them blocking for the other very often. That would be a huge, huge change compared to what they did last year. I just think they like shuffling those two guys, getting them, keeping
0: them, uh, you know, rested and ready to go for when they do enter the game. Makes sense to me, and and yeah, you're absolutely right. They're not really there to block, so unless you use them like they – I think they did once in the red zone where they used uh, Hunt as like a decoy out in the flat and then sent Chubb the other way. But like that would be an effective way to use them, but if you're lining it up and asking one of them to block for the other one, that doesn't really seem ideal, as you said. Uh, You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland special guest tonight, Jake Burns of the OBR in the OBR film breakdown, The Great – Jake Burns uh, talking evolution of the Browns offense. So you talked a little bit about the run game. You think that we'll see some more gap schemes mixed with the zone scheme, uh, run scheme. Let's talk about the pass game. Uh, So OBJ coming back, the addition of Schwartz, you know, Felton potentially on the roster. They've added some speed, and and if OBJ comes back, that's some more speed, you know, we know they need to unlock the deeper portion of the field. As you said, it's almost like they're playing in the red zone all year, right? So how do they do that? And what do you think that – what's the evolution of the pass game in 2021? Uh, I think they're going to try to
1: find ways to push the ball vertically, uh, whether that's – like I said, whether that's off-play action or whether that's some other way of, of, of uh, different cross-field concepts – they are going to try to unlock sideline to sideline. They're going to try to unlock vertical, uh, take more shots downfield. Baker Mayfield is one of the league's more accurate 20-yard downfield throwing quarterbacks, so that's a level of his game that you need to be taking advantage of somehow, some way. Whatever that uh, whatever that way is for you, find a way to do it. They'll use Anthony yeah. horizontally. They'll use Anthony vertically. Uh, I do expect them, as the guys are more comfortable in this system now, to to to, to threaten teams deep. Uh, more often. I, I, I certainly think that there's timing stuff that has to happen there that they didn't get enough of to feel great about all year. Uh, so I, d- I do. I don't know that there's any one perfect wrinkle answer, but I think I just think that they drafted Anthony Schwartz with one key ID in mind. This guy can run. He can run laterally and beat people around the perimeter, and he can run vertically, and we think he can be a really dangerous vertical weapon. So that is a thing And I'm not some genius on this. I think everybody watched it and understands that they have to take advantage of the deep portions of the field because teams walking up in their face and playing man-free with just a single high safety and manning up everybody underneath it was a real problem. I continue to say it's been months now. Go back and watch the AFC division game with Kansas City and look at the difficulty of throws Baker Mayfield had to make, the types of windows he had to fit throws into, as opposed to what Patrick Mahomes was dealing with. It's, it's night and day. It's night yeah. and day. They need to make life on Baker easier in those situations. And teams that like to do that stuff, Kansas City, uh, Buffalo will do it. The Baltimore Ravens like to do it. You better find answers. And I think they're seeking out answers to those issues.
0: Now, uh, real quickly, as far as the the passing game goes, let's focus on Baker for a minute. The evolution of Baker Mayfield is a big part of the evolution of this offense. They found some things that they like a lot for what what Baker does. And as you said, they really put more on his shoulders as we got to later in the season. Obviously, you think we see more of that, right, featuring Baker and and letting him, uh, you know, Shine a little bit more in this offense than we did maybe earlier in the season uh, where it was more basic and more run dependent. And also what, what things do you really like Baker doing that you think they expand on? Good question.
1: Uh, They're they're in a position where uh, they don't have to force that from, Baker. they could listen, Brad, they could just say, Hey, we want to put everything we have here into Baker and just let him, let him be the reason we win or fail. Just would be yeah. a little bit asinine to me, but they could.
0: It they will be, play
1: yeah. teams, they would play teams throughout the year who are weak run defense teams. And that's just the nature of football. There's got to be some good and there's got to be some bad. And they have an ability to throw the football or run it pretty effectively. So I do think there are going to be weeks where they run all over teams. Dallas, for example, last year, Washington, for example, the first Cincinnati game. Uh, They, 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 the Eagles, the Texans, the teams that they put it on through the running game, they're going to take advantage of those teams. If they're playing teams with horrendous run defenses, to to sit there going into a game and say, well, we'd rather have Baker go win this game for us. That's just a really silly way to think, and I don't think they will do that. So there will be games where they're going to get out in front of people and they're going to run the ball effectively and Baker might throw for 180 yards. But they're winning, and that's what they care about. Now, they know that when it gets to playoff football time, most teams that make the playoffs are good run defenses. It's just the nature of the business that you have to be able to stop the run. And most do, so you need Baker ready. There will be 10 or more games in a now 17-game schedule where Baker will have to be the reason to do that, that, that they go in and win football games. They will put pressure on him. Uh, but the, they don't need to go into every game saying Baker has to carry us to a win. That's the luxury of what they have built here is that they have a different way to win week to week. You know, some teams are truly pigeonholed into we can only run the football effectively. Some teams are pigeonholed into we can't really run it that well. Think of Pittsburgh last year. We can't run it that well. So we try to throw quickly and get the football out and it works sometimes, but then it gets to crunch time and it doesn't always work. So the Browns have the ability to do different things, which is a great part of the 2021 version. And, well, obviously it was a great part of 2020 as well. So uh, that that's, that's where I'm at with it. Baker's just got to keep doing his thing. He's got to keep making sharp decisions. He's got to keep getting his eyes to the right place. He started to show a calmness when his eyes had to go from one place to the other last year, way better than 2019. You need yeah. to see that continue. You need to see him continuing to process from the pocket without getting that panicked feeling and bailing out. He got better at it last year. He took strides. I thought he was really, really care careful about his footwork, his play action commitment. I was really bummed about that from him in 2019, but he took time, effort, thought, study, and figured out how he needed to work his body on play action fakes to sell things. I thought he got, I thought he got back to the minor details in 2020. I expect him now having seen what failure looks like in 2019 and knowing the work it takes to have his body right, to have his mental right in 2020 to carry that into the future of his career. I felt like by the end of the season, the game had started to slow down for him. some, and that is what you want to see. He has the arm talent, uh, but he does not have the crazy Josh Allen, Pat Mahomes, Lamar Jackson type of athleticism. So he has to win with his mind and his right arm. That's how he's going to have to win. There are times where he can get out of the pocket and make some throws on the run. That's nice. He can do it. But he should never think that that's a big part of who he is. And if he does that, uh, it's a dangerous path for him to go down. So he needs to continue to work with the right offensive mind, which he finally has in place. You know, look at Brad, look at the guys who have been really successful for a long time as a yeah. quarterback. They find a guy to work with, they're Sean Payton, they're Josh McDaniels, that sticks with them, the scheme stays the same. They know their own scheme so well that worry they don't worry about what they're doing, they worry about how they can do things to manipulate defenses and get guys open. That's what you need to see, and I think they have that play in place now, and that is the biggest reason to feel optimistic about Baker. So um, yeah, Anthony Schwartz will help. The continuity with Richard Higgins is always there. Now, what is it? This would be year three or four, 18, 19, 20, 21. This is year four with, with Jarvis Landry. Uh, that's real, man. He has real chemistry with those people. OBJ, we hope he comes back healthy and he'll have a role when he does, and they'll try to get that thing figured out too. And And it's just rare, Brad. It's rare to see skill position guys. Baker's going into year four. Think about it. Year four with Higgins, Nick Chubb. David Njoku, Jarvis Landry these guys know each other they know everything yeah. about the football lot that's that's a college career hes spent with these guys that's you yeah. know it's a high school career you start to really know your guys at that point so that you what you hope is uh, that they can roll that into some really successful tweaks adjustments and and unlocking with Anthony Schwartz having some fun stuff there unlocking even better version of what what I think was a really good uh, offense last season.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Jake Burns from the OBR and the OBR film room breakdown here on All Eyes on Cleveland on a Wednesday night. Uh, last thing for you here, Jake. While we're on the topic of Baker, this is from Bleacher Report. Okay, this is Bleacher Report's projections for Mayfield in 2021. Now, remember, you know we go to 17 games this year uh, as well, so that uh, affects it uh thoughts in re let me get your reaction to what this is too high too low right on the money what do you think here um what's
1: what's the completion percentage look like there i'm an english major so i, I don't know oh, that boy. off the top of my head it's it's it, 27
0: <laughs> out of five OC. let me get that for you <laughs> real quick.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll start yapping i think that is a fine area to feel safe with you want him to have his interceptions down below uh, down below the 10 number, and you would like to see him push to the 30-35 touchdown mark and 4,000 yards. So that if he's throwing for 4,000 yards, he's throwing for 30 touchdowns, he's keeping his interception total down below 10. When you mix that in with, uh, you know, I'm not trying to make you do any hard math or anything crazy there, but if you mix that in with his running approach, I think that you definitely see should see plenty of offensive success because they run the ball well enough that it shouldn't matter. So um that's a that's a really nice sweet spot right there. I don't think he needs to throw 40 touchdowns in, in a given season, right? With the way I mean they just have skill at the offensive positions that that many teams don't. You know, the Bills don't have Nick Chubb. Kansas City doesn't have Nick Chubb. So if he completes 65.1% of his passes, those for 4000 yards, 30 touchdowns, seven interceptions, Nick Chubb runs for 14, 15, 1600 yards, Kareem runs for his uh 6, 7, 800. That's a great offense, guys. Like that's a really great offense. So you don't need Baker to go crazy. Down the line and you got to think of it this way and people are just like so caught up in this. You know, think about how Ben Roethlisberger was brought along slowly before the offense turned over to the point that he had to be the guy. Same for, for Drew Brees. The same for, uh, you know, early in his career, Peyton Manning, when he had Marshall Falk and then into Edron James. You know, it's slow. It's a slow process of bringing a guy along. Not all guys are just going to, you know, Pat Mahomes and him from day one be this elite quarterback. It can happen in different fa- It's not a linear thing. It's not a, It's not always the same for everybody. So, like, Baker can get there just they're doing a great job of surrounding him with talent and it would just be so silly not to use that talent around him when they can they need to use Nick Chubb they need to use Kareem Hunt and you can say well Baker's got an easy job well that's cool someday he won't have Nick Chubb someday he won't have Kareem Hunt and then he will have to be the burden carrier and at that point he's had five six seven years of great quarterback play that he can then take it to another level because that's what guys do Guys can find another level of that position. So that's the hope. The hope here is that they have, they've done such a nice job with him. you know, They've done such a nice job with him, surrounding him now with talent, that he can just be – he can fit in. Just fit in, do your job, and in games where they need you to take over and make plays, make those plays, and then down the line when he gets better and better as he's seen more exposure and more exposure and more exposure to NFL defenses – he can be the big the big reason why you're winning games. He's he's got that ability, I think. And if you you're patient with him down the line, that can happen. I expect them to start broaching a, a contract extension after this season when they see what he looks like. And if he puts up numbers like that, he's going to get another deal. He should. He's 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 more than he's more than good enough to win games with in the NFL. And I think he will get to the point that he can be the reason your offense is winning games. So that's where I'm at with Baker right now.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, And I think uh, there was some cap news today as they uh, announced the salary cap will be at a ceiling of $208.2 million, according to Tom Pelissara, which is $25 million more, which I think certainly helps the Browns a ton when it comes to talking about uh, you know baker and the browns coming to the table as you did mention that extension next off season and and that figure as a ceiling uh certainly helps because i think they would put the ceiling somewhere around uh what they think it's going to be in my opinion so and that, i mean that very it very likely could be the salary cap in my opinion it,
1: it it will it will be that and there will be discussions with baker and nick and 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 denzel they'll start broaching it with all the, and they'll make some hard decisions that fans won't like either. So um, there's a lot of that coming. If they win games, everybody's going to want their money. There's right. There's always the, the old adage of everybody wants more. It'll happen. It's just the nature of football and the short window by means uh, by which everybody can play uh, the game. So Baker will get his, and some of the guys around him will get theirs too at the the rate we're going. It would just take a catastrophic year from Baker. And I just – I just have a hard time envisioning that for him, the way he played last year and the way he played his rookie year and the structure he actually has now.
0: I agree. I can't see it going the other way. I can only see him actually earning more money. Uh, I think he probably ends up probably around maybe pushing $40 million is probably where all these guys are going to end up in the end. Uh, But, uh, Jake, you're fantastic as always. You can catch him at the OBR, at the OBR Film Breakdown. You got a show tonight, Jake? We do. We're having Cody Sweck on to talk more Baker
1: Mayfield, some of the data-driven stuff there. So, yeah, we'll have one on our uh, OBR YouTube channel in in just a little bit. A big fan of yours, Brad. Always appreciate you asking me on, man. I love doing these with you.
0: You're the best, man. This was a good one. I appreciate it. And uh, thank you, as always. Uh, Honored to have you, and have a fantastic evening, sir. Go over and check out his show at the OBR starting at? 8 o'clock. 8 o'clock. Uh, So we'll wind this thing down here in the next 15 minutes so you can go catch Jake twice in one night and all the better. Double the Jake, double the fun, right, sir? (laughs) That's right, right. Thanks again, Brad. All right. Have a good one. And we're back. That was Jake Burns of the OBR and the OBR Film Breakdown. He's going to start his show in just a couple of minutes here, so we're going to wind our down. So you can go over and check out uh, his show at the OBR. He is uh, the best guest you can get in town to talk about Browns football, and uh, we are glad to have him on always as he kills it as always. We talk about the evolution of the Browns offense going into 2021. Uh, great points about the run game. I, I think you know the run game got really multiple. They you know It was going to be a zone scheme, and they really incorporated, as he talked about, the, the gap uh, uh, run schemes, the power run schemes, as well as that offensive line is just so good. Probably the best offensive line in football. And uh, they're going to take advantage of that. I mean, they're going to do what works. Certain teams, that zone scheme is going to work great with. Other teams, that gap scheme will work perfectly as well. Uh, when you get that, you know that pulling uh, treader or that pulling batonio, and, and then the wham blocks. If they, if they go back to, you know uh, the fullback usage. As we mentioned, that he was somewhat limited uh, a usage of the fullback towards the end of 2020. But an ever evolving offense, and Stefanski was so great at breaking tendency and setting people up and being able to do that. From on a week-to-week basis that it really made the Browns' offense just kept teams off balance. And, and one thing that we surely learned in 2020 is that he is a terrific play caller, and something that we can depend on is him putting in Baker in in, in opportune uh, spots and uh, great opportunities to, to succeed, you know. They roll Baker out to the left all the time. Like, who does that? But Baker can do that. And he found a lot of success that way, and that's something that they continued to do. Um, And uh, I think that, you know, just the the way this offense, the more time they have together, the more dangerous they're going to be and the more that Baker's going to know the offense and the more dangerous he's going to be at the line of scrimmage, you know, calling audibles, identifying things uh, that he can do with this offense that maybe weren't there. Uh, in 2020 but are going to be there in 2021. I did want to mention to you here real quickly before we go that we are talking top top dog tailgate time. Uh, Top dog tailgate is an established tailgate, takes pride in the community on July 10th uh, at the WJ Green Lodge uh, Berea at 1 p.m., We will be resuming tailgating. I'm going to be there. All Eyes on Cleveland is going to be there. Top Dog Tailgate and City Dogs are putting on a Browns fundraiser for uh, rescue dogs. Browns fans can buy a $10 lunch ticket or meal ticket uh, and even enter a high-stakes cornhole tournament. This is a BYOB, bring-your-own adult beverage event. Uh, Tickets are limited. Uh, currently, there's around 150 tickets left. There will be music games, Dogs for Adoption, and Browns fans, plus uh, a number of uh, podcasts and podcast hosts. Myself, I will be there. You can come and yell at me for all of the idiotic things that you think I've said over the past year. That would be fun. Uh, and uh, for ticket information, feel free to visit the Twitter handle of @WestThirdAndSummit. and Summit. Uh, this is a Kid friendly event, uh, so go check check that out. I mean, it's gonna be awesome. So I mean, uh, I think I've got a visual here, uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, if you go, it'll be awesome. It's gonna be a lot of fun. We're gonna be there. We're gonna cook out some food. There's gonna it's for dog. It's for doggos. Uh, I'm a dog lover. I have a beagle. Uh, she's amazing. She's my best friend on the earth. So uh, if you love dogs, you love the Browns. This is uh, an awesome event where we can get together and talk Browns football. Uh, I think that they're trying to work out a way for us to actually podcast live from there. Uh, so that's something to look forward to as well as uh, we'll have uh, you, the the guest, uh, on and uh, hang out and uh, eat some food and uh, do that as well. Uh, Ed and Columbus, I'm looking forward to four-minute drives before the half that demoralize their opponents. Yes. I'm just looking forward to football, man. Like, you know, I'm I'm into the NBA. I can watch the playoffs and all that. But, man, I am looking forward to football. Jake makes a great point. I have made a big deal. I'll admit it. I've made a big deal about the Browns not being on the grass yet. Um, Probably too big of a deal of it because – as he said you know they had their throwing camp down at the uh, in miami or whatever where njoku and schwartz and landry and baker were all there uh throwing to each other it's just frustrating from my viewpoint that kansas city is on the field right they're on the grass they're practicing whether it be walk through or whatever whatever they're accomplishing now is one less thing they have to accomplish in mandatory mini camps and then in actual training camp, and for a defense with nine new starters this time on the field, I think would be ultra valuable. I'm not going to panic about it. It's not the end of the world. They've shown the ability to do these things virtually, but I do have concerns about them getting on the field now. Yesterday, story came out that they will. Um, are trying to work out a deal, as other teams have, with the organization between the organization and the players, so that they can go out on the field. Uh, you know whether that be limiting 11-on-11s, limiting contact. Uh, you know whatever, but they are allowed to have 10 OTA practices in Phase Three, which started on Monday. Um, they're doing on-the-field stuff with the rookies. That's it and then the rest is virtual at this point. Probably some guys there there for injury, Delpit and greedy, I believe, are at the facility because they're getting treatment and whatnot. But I reached out to some people no word yet on guys reporting to camp um, you know and uh, if, unless they come to an agreement with them, That the players feel is beneficial, I guess they're going to stand behind J.C. Treader's statement. They did... I get that they want to be one. Like, they want to stand together as one, as the Browns. So, if the Browns are all going to go to camp, they're all going to go to camp, or they're not going to go to camp. With the exception of, like, OBJ, right? Like, he's probably not going to show up for OTAs, regardless. Um I did see on the OBJ front that he looks like uh, he is absolutely, uh, if you saw his uh, hype video uh, for his recovery, looks like he will be good to go for camp or at least limited in camp and probably good to go for week one. So that's good news. And I did mention when I was on with Jake just a couple minutes ago, the new TV deals will be hitting uh, for the salary cap next year. So today announced by Tom Pelissaro and others, the salary cap ceiling for 2022 is $208.2 million. Now that's about $25 million higher than it was this year. It was 182.5. million. That is huge for the Browns who are looking to sign guys to extensions. Uh, that doesn't guarantee. So, so some of the reports are, you know, a little off summer, saying that is the salary cap. That doesn't guarantee that's what the salary cap is going to be. That's the ceiling for what the salary cap can be. And the reason they're putting a ceiling on it, personally, I believe, is because there's so much TV money that it could drive that figure w- even higher than the 208, and they want to kind of even that out, as well as any extra they're going to pay back to players who do uh, got shorted in the pandemic uh, you know, season where they lost uh, money uh, on the other end of things. So they're going to use some of that money to repay some debts to players and get everybody squared up and even as far as that goes. Uh, I would love to see any of you guys at the uh, tailgate on July 10th. Get your tickets at West 3rd and Summit. Support dogs, support the Dog Pound, support the Browns. Come on out and see me and uh, see a bunch of people. Eat some good food, listen to some good music, and uh, it will be a good time. So make sure you reach out to him and get your $10 meal ticket and uh, see you there on July 11th. Great show tonight, Evolution of the Browns offense in 2021. Guess what? We're back tomorrow night with another Great guest, Garrett Bush of 92.3. The fan will be with us tomorrow night as we look at projecting the Browns in 2021. We get down to the nitty gritty and uh, project what we can see from Chubb and Landry and OBJ and and all these guys and what we expect uh, to see from them as we move closer and closer to the season. Uh, And hopefully a day closer to getting the guys, all of them, out on the field. With that, uh, this has been another episode of All Eyes on Cleveland. Thank you so much for listening and commenting. As I mentioned, we're so cl- oh so close to that 1,000 subscribers uh, in just under six months, so thank you all for your support. Hit subscribe and the like button on your way out. Uh, for Mikey on the ones and twos, my name is Brad Ward, and with that... We are out.